Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? What matters most for us as a church isn't a long list, and it's not complicated. Psalm 85, in many ways, takes us to the very heart of what matters in our world right now. Our world is a world of exhaustion. We as a nation and we have, as people have endured four months of a time that has, in many ways, drained us, sucked the life out of us. And so what matters most for us, for our nation, and for our church, is that we go back to God for newness of life. And that is the whole point of this psalm. That is what Psalm 85 is all about, because who of us enjoys being dead, empty, or bored? Near the end of the Bible, we just heard read from Revelation chapter 1. The risen Lord Jesus makes a bold claim. He says, I am the living one. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 18, the living one, the Lord Jesus, the living one who, as we read in the book of Revelation, is the one who died, but was raised on the third day in the power of the Holy Spirit, and so now he lives. But he doesn't just live. He lives for a purpose. He lives in order that he might let others live. He lives to give life and to give it abundantly. Jesus is saying in Revelation chapter 1 that he is a living one from whom all life flows. And that's what we're going to see. We're going to see the beginning of the fulfilment of that promise and that reality in the Lord Jesus in Psalm 85. And we're going to see that Psalm 85 unfolds in three steps. Firstly, grace in the past, in verses 1 to 3. Secondly, need in the present, verses 4 to 9. And thirdly, grace in the future, in verses 10 to 13. So firstly, grace in the past. That's what really verses 1 to 3 are about in Psalm 85. The psalmist recalls God's wrath and fierce anger. God is like a consuming fire as his holiness is offended by the sin of his people. You might remember God's encounter with his people, after he had rescued them from Egypt and their response to his love and his rescue is to not worship him but to worship a golden calf. And he is angry. And Moses knows he's angry. So angry is God that Moses goes before him and says in Exodus chapter 32, verse 11, why should your anger burn against your people? His anger burns. It's a consuming fire. And throughout the history of Israel, we see that his anger continues to burn. His anger burns as his people are taken from the land that they will be brought into. And God's wrath takes away life. And so his people need to learn to live in complete dependence on his mercy. 
We see that in the history of Israel. That God is angry with his people, but graciously, wonderfully, he forgives the sin of his people. You see that there in verse 2. And forgiveness here implies both the removal of sin and its consequences. Guilt and sin of the people are forgiven by God. He exchanges his burning anger for a passionate love. Many of us can look back on a time in our lives where perhaps, you know, when we first became Christian, we were fed up with ourselves. We were sick of the cycle of sin that we were caught in. We were out of excuses. We were desperate, but God so wonderfully came into our lives and forgave us. And it was, it was great. It was good at the start. But after a while, we, we just couldn't make it stick. Temptation is strong. We're weak. We mess up again and again. So what hope do we have then? It's wonderful that God has been so kind and gracious in the past and we might revel in that. But what about our present? And what about our future? That's where Psalm 85 takes us. And that's in the second section there in verses 4 to 9. There's this desperate need in Psalm 85. It's a need very much in the present. The people of God are in a state of national disaster. We don't know exactly what that is, but it's clear from the psalm that this is a serious problem that the nation of Israel is facing. Everyone is involved. And so, in that context, the psalmist pleads before God there in verse 4, Restore us again, O God our Saviour, and put away your displeasure towards us. You see, it's... The same problem. It's the same problem back in verses 1 to 3, where God is angry towards his people, where his wrath burns. But here, it's not just a problem of the past. It's an experience in the present. And remarkably... This psalmist does what I don't think I would have done. Perhaps you wouldn't have either. The psalmist, in fact, asks for the impossible. He asks God for the impossible because he knows something about God we often don't. He knows that God is good at the impossible. Have a look there in verse 7. In the midst of his anger, he says, Show us your unfailing love. O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I don't know if you ever feel like you're sick of yourself. And if you're sick of yourself, maybe you think that, well, God must be as well. We as Christian people ask God to have mercy on us. And when we do, 
He gives us our lives back. But he gives us often far more than we ask for. Because so often we think that we have X number of chances with God. We've used up all our credit of coupons, cashing them out before God. It's over, we often feel, but the gospel tells us something different. The gospel tells us how God thinks. Because what makes the difference with God is that Jesus bled and died on the cross for all our inexcusable betrayals. And his death really and fully paid for it all. So that when we come back to God, we can come back every time knowing that his arms are open because what matters in his mind, what matters most, is not what we deserve, but that Jesus died for sinners just like us. Show us your love. It says there in verse 7. But it doesn't just say that, does it? It says, show us your unfailing love. This is not a mere love that is subject to the vicissitudes of life, a hot and cold kind of love, like human love. It's an unfailing love. It's a love of promise. It's a love of faithfulness that God has demonstrated all throughout his relationship with his people, and ultimately in Jesus' death on the cross. It's a fierce love that welcomes us back time and time and time again. Show us your unfailing love in the gospel, O Lord. Thirdly and finally, we see that grace here is also in the future. Because verses 10 to 13 help us look towards the future. And when we start seeing a new future that God has given us, that affects the way we live in the present. And the way the psalm finishes is with this striking imagery. For example, there in verse 10, righteousness and peace kiss each other. This is the language of poetry and Psalm 85 If we had more time, really, we'd explore how evocative and the imagery here. But as I close, I want to think about really two words or two phrases. Because here in these closing verses, in verses 10 to 13, is a picture of this newness, of this reviving, of this fresh Full, abundant grace. There in verse 13, righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. You see, with God, nothing will stop him. And that is our future. If we trust in the Lord Jesus this day, that is our future in Christ. That he doesn't just patch up doesn't just patch us up a little here and there just to get us through the rest of the day. In the gospel of the Lord Jesus, he gives us a whole new reality. We get our lives back better than we ever had them before. So often in the Christian life, we want simply forgiveness. 
But the beautiful thing is that God doesn't just give us forgiveness, he gives us adoption. He gives us new life. He gives us eternal life. He gives us a life of glory with him beyond what we could imagine. This is what God does for damaged people both because we have sinned and we live in a fallen world. We feel the effects of the fallen world. And so when we come to God in the Lord Jesus, he lifts us up. He lifts us up into the overflowing glory of the, of the risen Lord Jesus, who by his spirit is moving amongst us today with healing and life and joy, if we could just see it. And so, to close, I want to just focus on two words. One is there in verse 6, that word revive. Will you not revive us? That word revive means to give new life, to reinvigorate, to renew. Another translation could read, won't you bring us back to life again? Why is that phrase, verse 6, there in the Bible? Well, I think it's in the Bible because we wear out. We can't live today on what God gave us yesterday. Our needs are endless, constant. But so is his newness. And what matters most is not us, but him, what he is doing. Verse 6 there, the, the word there is you. Won't you revive us? It's emphatic. It's God's work in us, reviving us. How could it be otherwise? Because the Lord Jesus said that he is the life. I am the life, Jesus says in John 11. Will he not revive us again that we, that we may rejoice in him? See, this is the great promise of the gospel, Lord Jesus, that we see here in Psalm 85, that God is about breathing new life into fed up, worn out sinners. And Jesus did not come to make death a little more palatable. He came to bring life and life in abundance, we're told in John chapter 10, verse 10. So what are we to do? What are we to do as Christian people? Well, I think here in Psalm 85, we're just to do one thing. We're to pay attention. Have a look there at verse 8. I will listen to what? God the Lord will say. See there in verse 8, we have a clue. We have the key, really, how not to be a fool in life, found in three words. Let me hear. And the wording there in the original is strong. It could be translated, I am listening with eagerness. The psalmist had prayed in verses 4 to 7 in the middle of this disaster. He knows the character of God. He knows the love of God. And he's asked God to come to him and his people to revive him, to demonstrate his unfailing love, to show his glory. And so what does he do after that, verse 8? He listens. I don't know if you've driven past Briars sometimes on a Saturday morning. We have an archery club 
in Concord, right next to quite a busy road. And the archery club sends arrows in the direction of the road. And I've wondered myself if there was ever a convertible and a silly teenager with a little too much strength, what would happen? When you fire an arrow, what do you do? Well, when you shoot an arrow, you don't do anything. You just look for where it lands. And after we pray, in many ways, we don't do anything. We just look for an answer. I will listen. And the sense here in verses 8 and 9 is that I'll be shocked if God doesn't answer this kind of prayer. It's not how we might, or at least I might, I'll be shocked if he does answer the prayer. No, in the psalmist's mind, he's shocked if the Lord doesn't. He doesn't want to miss out. He knows the character of God. He knows that his God loves to revive his people and for them to rejoice in him as they have never rejoiced in him before. Here is great encouragement not to sleep through the greatest moments of our life, the very moments for which God has given us new birth, such that he would continue to sustain us and to revive us. When we pray to God, we look for him to answer. Let me hear. That's the key to our future. That's the key for our church, is to hear, is to come before God in prayer and to hear him speak and to see those prayers answered. That's the key here. We need to pay attention. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? See what some... 85 is about, that for those in the Lord Jesus, we know that he will revive us. He's given us his son. He's forgiven us his sin, our sin. He's paid the price in his blood and God's anger is not directed at us anymore. It's been exhausted in the death of the Lord Jesus. And so that question, that question of Psalm 85, will you not revive us again? That question is answered in the Lord Jesus. Will you not revive us again and again and again? And Jesus says to us, let me love you back to life again and again and again. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the risen Lord Jesus. We thank you that life flows from him. And we thank you, Father, that by faith we are united with him. And so we pray, Father, by your spirit that that life would flow through us and that we, like your people of old, might be revived again and again and again. Amen.